Today's show is brought to you by StoryWorth. Please visit storyworth.com slash braincandy to save $20 when you subscribe. It's the best kind of podcast because it's my kind of podcast. You know the rest. <laughs> <laughs> dot, dot, dot. That was sort of like I thought you were going smooth jazz and then it was like twangy. It was a little bit of both. Right. Speaking of dot, 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 did you see the guy who tried to troll you? Um, <laughs> I always see. And he kept on using, overusing the ellipses. Yes. And, uh... I said he sounded like he was doing a William Shatner impression. But he liked it when you ah, said that. Didn't you but, see his response? No, what did he say? He just was like laughing and then he like doubled down and started using them in between each word. <laughs> oh, <there you> go. <laughs> um, at least just he stopped with the aggressive trolling. Yeah, what was you know? he mad about? Who the fuck knows? No, I really can't remember. Like, um, oh, was it about Trump? Probably. Oh, <laughs> it was about, uh, you were saying, you think that. Donald Trump's son, what the hell is his oh, name? Barron. You think Barron's upset about whatever, wait till he hears what you did <laughs> to the climate children or something. Yeah. So, blah, well, you blah. know what's funny is when like I that. had that viral tweet and you wrote oh my God. the gift the gift that said, uh, I can't wait till Trump blocks you or something yeah. like that. But I noticed that all the MAGA people, the Make America Great people. Oh my God, were, we're calling them MAGA serious? people? Well, the M-A-G-A, yeah. Yeah, I know, but that's just funny. And, oh, well, I call them maggots, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they they thought you were serious and were, like, liking your tw- tweet, thinking, yeah, I can't wait till he blocks her. <laughs> I was like, oh, jeez. Didn't they see the gif, how she's like, Yeah. Not like, ha <laughs> Come on. They don't go for nuance yeah the nuance is lost um last week we did an episode in which we talked about a viewer or a listener who wrote in about you know me calling myself skinny fat and all that yeah and i kept saying don't send me emails everybody oh my God. Sent everybody me emails. did it of course what do they say <clears throat> i really I... almost don't want to say because then it uh-huh. perpetuates uh-huh. the conversation which i hate having yeah um the people who agree with us are not writing in they just, are. Oh, they are. They are oh, too. Great. Mostly they write on the Facebook page okay. and they're like, I hate when people act like this, whatever. No. But some people do. In fact, I even got an email about vaccines. Somebody was really. Oh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> anyway, whatever. My mom doubled down on that too. Did she? Yeah. I'm like, well, okay. did Everybody... she send us our peer reviewed no. journal article yet? Of course not. <laughs> but she sent me some crystals. So everything's fine. Well, <clears throat> problem solved then. Um, today we are talking about fame and like paparazzi, TMZ. I read this such good article, by the way, about TMZ. It was in what? the New Yorker. It was just the history of and how it came to be in Harvey Levin and all of it. I will put it in the newsletter. It was so good. Isn't it crazy that... It's almost, we live in this bizarre world of fame where you can be famous for being next to somebody famous, like famous by association almost. I think about Kim Kardashian, who is essentially famous for a sex tape. 
Yeah. And she wasn't even the main star of it at the time. It was the other dude she was with. <laughs> Ray J. Who everybody knew. People didn't know who she was. Yeah. And then uh, I think about people on TMZ. Like, this, Harvey? Harvey? Harvey Levin. He What do you talks think about, about him? other people. And then, you know what I think about him is he's one of those guys who's kind of like um, uh, Ryan Seacrest, who has this... Like, so ADD, they can't turn it off. Like, there's so much... I bet he wakes up at 4.30 in the morning. I bet he's got a crazy routine. I bet he's somebody who sticks to the exact same routine all the time. And... He he looks like the kind of guy who, like, I'm exhausted. He's like a hamster on a wheel. What do you think? Well, I I mean, I'm not into that scene, and he's smarmy and all that, but... Boy, I had he was he's a lawyer and uh-huh. he began working um on like court TV type stuff, people's court and all that, you know, as a consultant, but then like caught the bug and started working in journalism and but then according to this article, he almost had like an axe to grind, like he wanted to bring famous people down. And mm-hmm. you exposed. Can, it feels like that. He f- it says in the article that he feels like every famous person is phony, and he wanted to expose that. The irony, yeah. of course, is that now he's famous. Yeah, and also seems kind of phony. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's sipping on whatever the fuck he's always drinking out of the spray tan and all that. Right. Um, and then anytime one person wants to get super judgy, and is like. Oh, let me tell you about all the things everybody else is doing wrong and that I'm going to point out and, like, this person. And the whole surprise, like, jump out of the bushes, catch somebody when they're, you know, coming down the stairs from a flight. Like, I've been on a flight from LAX to JFK. Ugh, you think I want anybody talking to me after I get off that plane, like a red eye? And then all these people do that? Like, that just seems intrusive and Part of what made the article so interesting was the way... The web behind it and how the celebs are in on it. Um, not all of them and not right. all the time. Right. But the oftentimes publicists are coordinating these photo mm-hmm. ops. That's how, like when we go to LAX, there's usually not cameras. Oh Sometimes God. there are, but not usually, like lurking. And not for us, obviously, but I'm just saying like you'll see them every once in a while. And you think, well, how do they always get this? It's because they, first of all, they have people at the airlines who tip them off, like so and so is getting on a flight at this time, which is so maddening to me. Oh my God. That if you were a celebrity, but you weren't rich enough for like a private jet, that some asshole at Delta is calling up TMZ for 50 bucks and being like, hey, you know, Paris Hilton's getting on this plane or whatever. Uh, Yeah. That would drive me bonks. Do you blame, you, you. I mean, I, part of me is like, eh, don't blame the Delta person. I do. I yeah. think it's, that is the opposite of the golden rule. Okay, that is true. I mean, you would not want that to happen to your family. And so to no. do that for like 50 cents, come on. No. Now, like, do you remember when um, the Beyonce elevator thing happened? Yeah. And like, that was a huge story, obviously. Yeah. And like... The guy working security that got the footage and then, like, get, he got so much money for Okay, that. when it's something uh, 
that one wasn't. I mean, because nobody support was. That. <laughs> I know I do too. And then Post I the think that I think. I mean, the ones where I, this just reminded me of all the football ones where like the guys get that was a huge break. They yeah got. that they have video evidence of a crime being committed, things right. like that. Like, thank God. Thank God. Right, because the, she wasn't going to, right. you know, right. press They could charges. have buried that. They, that could have been... That's that's how it is, that whole he said, she said. That's why even Bill Cosby, they're like, I don't know. Oh, my God. Because we don't have the freaking tapes. Give me right. the tapes. Right. And, you know, that's what this whole... Everything in the world right now, politically... And otherwise is about the goddamn tapes. If you have the tapes, oh my gosh, you have everything. P tapes, PP tapes, PP tapes. That's what I want so bad. Those Do you? Oh, so bad. What is appealing to you about it? Uh I just really find it like it just like tickles me the idea of <laughs> the thought of all those people high on their pedestals, like being. Talking about, you know, the left is like this and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then, the, you know, their leader is getting just pissed on by Russian prostitutes. Right. So do you think that the big deal is that it's pee-pee or do you think they're like underage or something? Oh, Because that's what some people think, that they're it's pee-pee and they're oh, too dude. young. I wouldn't be surprised. Right. I think if you're, uh, you know... Taking a survey of uh, prostitutes in the Russia area, chances are good. If you cast a net, you might pull in a few underage chicks. They're not exactly checking IDs over there. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. You know what's funny is, changing the subject, when we started our last episode and we were joking about how we were googling nudes yeah and the reason we were googling nudes is relevant because you know there have been celebrities and people close to us who've had their phone yep hacked yep like the cloud or whatever mm-hmm. do you even use the cloud because i don't nope. use it i don't and also i've never taken a i can't i'm too scared i'm t- way too scared that something's gonna happen it's gonna somehow they ruin my career yeah you know. Me too. So. <laughs> no, um, but, you know, we were talking about how there have been people from the shows that we did that have yeah. had that happen and how horrific. Horrific. That is. Mm-hmm. And it, when it's not you, you th- like, say you found out that, like, <gasps> oh, there's God, a Beyonce so sex horrible. tape. Yeah. I would be Googling that immediately. Duh. But but I would be wrong. <laughs> yeah, to do so. Yeah. But it's almost un... What's the word? Resistible. Yeah. You know? Well, and then you think like... Irresistible. Don't think of pink elephants. Like, come on. That's <laughs> all you can even think about. So if, even when you... You have to. Why is it... So, I mean, 
obviously, if that happened to me, I would feel so violated. Mm-hmm. But, like, in the end, most of the time, they're innocuous. Like, it's just like, oh, that's a cute body. Yeah. But they Wouldn't didn't be like get... That my no? Tape. I don't know. I Your feel like sex I... tape. I'm thinking of more pictures. Or pictures. I mean, unless I'm, like, posing in the right direction, like, no. It's... In the right angle? Yeah. Well, the person that I think of that appears to be the most traumatized by that type of thing was Ooh. that Erin Andrews. Do you know her? She's now the host of um, Dancing with the Stars, but she's a sportscaster and she's blonde and she's super pretty. Wasn't it revenge porn? No. no it was just leaked It stuff. was a man who got the hotel room next to her, <gasps> rigged it up. Shut up, No, Suze. Peephole cam. That is fucked up shit. Yep. And... Oh, my God. And the video shows her, like, in those moments where we all do it when we're alone, where you, like, check out your ass in the mirror yeah. or... like, like be a normal human your, being because yeah. you're, like, checking... Oh, that's how... that It's like our job. <clears throat> our body, we get to check it. Yeah. Make and, sure everything's but gravy. she was... She claims that it was just horrific. It would be. It, and that would be so traumatizing. Think about... Okay. Do you ever feel like... Mm, like there's a camera watching you or nervous that there's a camera on you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Okay. And almost that fear, even in my own home, I'm like, oh my God, I hope, I hope this place isn't like... There's a camera in here. But the, it, even though I know that there's not... There's still that thought in the back of my mind. And that's when we signed up to be on TV. We got used to it. We knew it was there. Could you imagine if you're that thought of, oh, there maybe there's a camera in here stemmed <clears throat> from trauma? Like you wouldn't be able to go anywhere without every single hotel room you that's go to would said. be a trigger. Every single uh, time you went over to a new person's house and went to the bathroom, you'd feel like you couldn't trust them. Oh, you'd probably have a weird checking routine that you'd start in any bathroom before you did that and then you'd curb like the urge to want to do things that you naturally do when you're by yourself you can't do anymore you feel oh oh no i get that it's more than just pictures somebody that was a huge violation it's like we uh, what's the meant we have the right to privacy <laughs> right I mean, it's, it's so not, basic it's basic i know that's not exactly the way that meant but <clears throat> it kind of is well and she testified against him. He's in jail, oh of course, because, you know, he deserves it. But she was, she, you know, she described that basically PTSD where she now suffers from severe yeah. anxiety. And you would, because think about like when you're in a hotel room, there is a, a sense person. of like, you have to trust that everything is yeah. kosher or like a oh. tanning salon, you know, thing, anywhere you get anywhere. naked, anywhere you're OBGYN. There's been doctors arrested for that nonsense. Oh, my God. What do a gynecologist and a pizza delivery guy have in common? What? Both of them can smell it, but they can't eat it. <laughs> so dumb. That is a horrible joke. I do not approve of that joke. That is so gross, Sarah. Oh. Sarah, why would you tell that? Oh, that's just a joke I happen to know about. Here's why, to me, that joke doesn't work. <laughs> okay. Because... It's not like people like the smell of vagina normally. Uh, I think that's debatable. Normally, 
I mean, there might be some guys that really love the smell of vagina. As a woman who spent a lot of time <laughs> in and around in a vagina in my younger days, I really do enjoy a nice and six I hours also, past a shower. I like also not think that not a lot of men are just dying to eat it. I mean, they will or, you know, some guys might be into it, but it's not like a pizza. <laughs> Why you gotta break down my joke? <laughs> okay, okay, wait. And then I, I thought like pizza was kind of like sex, where even if it's bad, it's still good. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that or something. Okay. Did you make that joke up? What the pizza delivery? Pr- Hell no! Oh my god, it would have been great if you had made that up. Uh, okay. Listen to this. This has nothing to do with fame, but or pizza. since we're on the subject of like creepy encounters. Uh-huh. When I was about eight or nine months no. pregnant, what I was at Cheesecake Factory, of course, were. as you as you do, mm-hmm. and I had to go to the bathroom, also as you do, and I went to the bathroom, and now I'm like replaying it in my mind, make sure I tell it properly. A um, man followed me into the bathroom. And I... Into the bathroom. Yeah, into the women's room. Women's room. room. <gasps> right. Suze. Right. And so I'm about to go in my stall, and I catch a glimpse of the person behind me who I would have thought was a woman. And I looked at him, and I said, one of us is in the wrong bathroom. <laughs> and he said nothing, turned oh. around, and walked out. And so then He I, didn't look startled like he knew. Dude, you almost got raped. Yeah. I really do think that you did. Almost did. And, and so, he had a weird fucking pregnancy fetish. Right? And he and when I walked out of the bathroom after I had gone, I said to the, I guess it was the manager, I said, some guy just followed me into the women's oh. room and I had to ask him to leave. And he said, that's the second time. <gasps> oh my. <laughs> Sus, you have said things in the past few podcasts we've done where like, I'm a bad podcaster because I don't know what to say. Me too. We've both had those moments. Oh my holy fucking God. He's a repeat of... Or maybe he's a peeper. Like he stares over the top or something. I mean, I don't know. Well, you know what? That is mm, a tremor before an earthquake, if you will. Mm -hmm. That's like warning sign behavior. Peeping Tom, you know, I'm not going to offend fucking Peeping Toms when I say often those guys become sex offenders. They right, become the ones is, who cross the line. And it's then, maniacal behavior. It's not And it's like normal. Getting one step closer to what you want to do. It That's like a, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I, I was big. And why is he fucking getting off on Cheesecake Factory, women? So, you know. Maybe, right, I don't know if, it was so weird. And looking back, because... Seems like a busy place to pick. It was so busy, and but I was the only one in the bathroom, and it was so weird that he didn't say anything. Because you know, you do sometimes walk into the wrong bathroom, but and you so, know that you right. Do like that. he would have been like, yeah. But he's following me. He sees it of a woman, uh-huh. so he oh, knows. There's so many questions, right? So oh that was horrible. God. I guarantee you, that person has been arrested. Yeah, I hope so. Because that two times that's the person. Oh my god, Sarah, what are you doing for Father's Day? 
Speaking I, of pregnancy. I, actually, I will be in Aspen Food and Wine. Again? Yeah. How many times do they have that? Well, once a year. Didn't you just go? I went to Pebble Beach Food and Wine. Oh. Different locations. Interesting. Same shit. That's so weird on Father's Day. Yeah, which is, you know, encourages a lot of drinking for some people like me. Right. <laughs> have crummy relationships with their fathers. Right, but you that's know the I, thing. Yeah. We both have... I was telling Sarah, I'm not going to repeat this story because it's so disgusting, but I was telling Sarah a horrible story about my dad, and it, it's just like... Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm thankful for. Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot. Uh, what was I reading? Oh, I was reading this wonderful article by David Sedaris. I love him. It was also in The New Yorker. And he was talking about how his mother was an alcoholic. And I was thinking about... And, and weirdly, even though it's June, we just watched Elf. And Amy <laughs> Sedaris is in it. Yes. And I was thinking about how funny they are and how smart they are. And how often, you know, people with really crazy families end up creating really great, funny humans Mm -hmm. or really horrible humans, Mm -hmm. but it kind of like goes one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So I am thankful that my whole family, all five of us are like pretty funny and stuff. Yeah. And you see a silver lining. Well, it is because I would rather be funny than well-adjusted and dull. Or sad and (laughs) depressed because you, you know. Well, I've done both of those things. Um... I read an article <clears throat> that said people who think about their own mortality and think about death more often are funnier. No. An actual study came out that proved this. That there's something called the terror management theory that like talks about us questioning our own mortality. And when we do that, it causes a weird, usually negative response in people. It makes people um, have higher rates of like nationalism and hate other people more. But the one thing that it causes that's a positive is it makes people funnier. It's like they need a sense of humor to deal with accepting a horrible fate that you you can't, I mean, nobody's immune to mm-hmm. and in doing so you it's almost like gallows laughter like you just have to and what they did is they primed people subconsciously or with the word pain and with the word death so people like saw it over and over and over and then they gave them blank new yorker comics and had them make a caption to it and then those oh, yeah, I think captions I saw that. were they've done a few with the yeah. new yorker comic thing that's like how they test funny right and uh yeah, and all the studies showed that people were significantly funnier if they'd been primed with the word death than if they'd been primed with the word pain. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, death is funnier than pain, I would argue. I mean... Because it's so final and then... Tell that to a 14-year-old who just saw a guy get kicked in the balls. <laughs> tell that to my son who just buried his pits in hell. Oh my God, that was the funniest. My favorite was your post that said... <laughs> R.I.P. Gary, June 2017 to June 2017. I couldn't take it. And he was so sad. If you bring Gary up, he'll cry again. Okay, I can't. It's ridiculous. But yet he'll like smack me if I'd say something he doesn't like. 
Like, he's sad about Gary, but he's a horrible person. So He's probably going to be hilarious. I wasn't done talking about Father's Day, though. Oh, okay. Go back to that. <laughs> Sorry. I derailed your train. Let's go back to Father's. Well, I was just going to say that even I don't happen to have a, a good dad, but Adam is a great dad. Yes. Even in the Gary video, did you hear him what talking about, he was like, Gary was a good snail. <laughs> Gary was our friend. And Lincoln was like, dying because he's so mad. Gary was sad. a good snail. But, so I got Adam the gift that I want people to give to their husbands or their dads, um, which is StoryWorth. And it allows people to to answer the questions that you would want to preserve about their life, what what memories they have from their childhood and what um, their favorite subject in school was or what their first boyfriend or girlfriend was um, like. And I think those stories are really special and they're not something that we ask very right. much. So that's why I think this is a really cool gift, especially because you people are probably procrastinating and did not buy your dads anything. Also right. <laughs> so... I, I would encourage you guys to go to storyworth.com slash brain candy and you can get $20 off when you subscribe because uh, they'll send the questions each week to your Great. dad. He will fill them out and then you get a book compiled at the end in which all of the answers can be saved and treasured. And I mean, I am not a very sentimental person openly, but deep I inside I am. I like just don't want people to know right. about it. You're on the DL. Yeah, I'm secretly sentimental. So I think this is a wonderful thing that you could do for whoever you know in your life that has a story to tell that you want to save, especially since Father's Day is coming. That's a perfect gift and a great deal. Storyworth.com slash brain candy. Um, okay, so in essence, we're supposed to be talking about fame. We've done none of that. Well, I did. Oh, a little bit. When the, the TMZ, TMZ story was. Do you remember? Because this for me is when it tipped. The digital age sort of tipped in mm-hmm, the paparazzi mm-hmm, sense. The Britney breakdown. <gasps> yes. And the older I get, the more I'm like, girl, I get you. <laughs> me too. I'm like, uh-huh, With all of it. I've had that urge where you just. I'll shave my head right here. Whatever. Like, I need to do something nuts. What do you think it was? Or like, you know, Amanda Bynes clearly was suffering from some mm-hmm. uh, I, she, I mental think she's, issues. Uh, has uh, uh, schizoaffective disorder. Yeah. Yeah. She seems okay now. Did you see that she's trying to make a comeback? Isn't she going to fashion school? Yeah. Yeah. But she says she wants to act again. She did an interview. She looked really uh, lucid and oh, cute and positive. Oh, and good. Well, she's on her medication. She's to stay that way. Yeah, and you know what? I love her because when she was young, I felt like she was a kindred. She's got great comedic timing. You know what? If you watch her stand-up that she did, she did a stand-up when she was like 12. Yeah, she's very talented. You would really like it. I probably would. And think that the jokes are very smart jokes for her. She did jokes that... When yeah. adults enjoyed. She, when she was in this recent interview, I'll put it in the newsletter. If you want to subscribe to the newsletter, go to thebraincandypodcast.com and enter your email. Um, but the host was like, 
Okay, let's talk about, you know, some of the tough times, like whenever you went on Twitter and said you wanted Drake to murder your vagina, and, <sighs> no. and Amanda was like, okay, but I did want that. <laughs> and the girl was like, so what do you mean, though? And she was like, I was, bas- I was on a lot of drugs, so that's what I was trying to be funny, but I wanted Drake fuck to fuck me. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> like, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's nothing better than an, uh, a breakdown of the breakdown. The real tragedy, though, well, <laughs> I forgot about your feud with Amanda right. my actual feud with her. So I'm, like, trying to, like, be a nice person towards her. In the back of my head, I'm still like, fuck that stupid if you give a mouse a cookie book. That thing was a piece oh, of shit. God. The giving tree is way better. If you're not familiar... Sarah has a one-sided feud with Amanda Bynes, where wherein uh, Amanda beat Sarah. They went to school together. Mm-hmm. Beat Sarah in like a third-grade talent show, fifth-grade oratorical. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah can't let it go. I can't. You know I'll what? Though I think go. you're you got your revenge. I know. I do too. But. The real tragedy I was going to say is that she blocked me years ago. <gasps> oh, because during that's the breakdown, right. I was like trolling her a little and bit. And also, you were trying to get her to talk about my feud with her. You were like, we were trying to like put it out she there. She blocked me, man. And, and now you like, can't see I can see it from Brain Candy's account. Oh, uh, that's great. <laughs> I should ask her to come on. <laughs> right? Oh, my God, she might. You never know. She you went never on know. this low rate. Interview and all like slow play <clears throat> our feud. Yeah, we can reframe it, you know, to be yeah. like, can you believe kids? Like, ugh, that oh, was, wasn't that? Can that you was a debacle. Us? Yeah, remember when you got like birthday parties, man? Those were really <laughs> tough you, when you were kids. Do you think that she would remember? Zero you? chance. Maybe no. She would remember beating me in the oratorical for sure. Definitely. Okay. But she will not... Because at probably. that time, she was famous already. You're right. And there was, she was doing a ton of shit. How could... How... She doesn't remember me. But I don't think she remembers the uninviting from the birthday party thing. Because I think that was just her being a B-I-T-C-H because she got famous. Mm-hmm. And her parents, like, clearly didn't know how to... I'm sure she's a nice lady. Whatever. <laughs> nice lady. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's water under the bridge. Water under the bridge. Um, what else? I have a podcast. So I we have an interview coming up in a bit with Robin Lee, who's an actress who starred in Hitch and Fifty Shades Darker and a bunch of stuff. And she's beautiful and sophisticated. She was a lawyer. She went to um, Columbia Law School. Oh, I mean, that women like that, it's like, oh, right, you're smart and funny and beautiful. Mm-hmm. I hate your guts. Mm-hmm. But she's but really you know nice, what? too. What if she, like, I know. What does Sarah Silverman say about, uh, she said, well, Martin Luther King, you know what? He used to fart in the car and roll up the window. So everybody, they made, they don't know all those things about him. So maybe <laughs> she does something weird. Like, you know, I don't think she does. You're She's probably so right. nice. God damn it. And I was excited to talk to her. She has a book out called the idea of you. And at first I, when I heard about it, I'm like, this is not a book for me because it's a love story. And it's kind of like, Got some sex scenes in it. Oh, and that's, that's for me. Hello. Right. That's more for Sarah. Sign me up. A and warm bath in the morning. <laughs> burn my daily calories. Yeah. Like it would be a great beach read kind of thing. But then once I found out more about it, I was like, oh, this could be interesting. Because the story involves an older woman who falls in love with like a boy band guy. 
And she explores the idea of, like, the double standard, especially in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. of, like, men dating younger women, like, all the time. All the time. And if a woman does it, it's this big freaking deal. You know, if an older woman dates a younger man. What do you think? Did you... A while back, I can't remember. I'm trying to remember the actors who were involved. I... But some actor, I want to say it was like Tom, Tom Cruise. It was okay. somebody, whatever. They chose an actress to play his, or the original actress they chose to play this actor's wife was, it was like the person who played the mom was younger oh, right. than the actor. And then the one who chose the wife was like, half his age yeah where if that were it doesn't make any sense yeah and then as soon as the women are over 45 mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're grandmothers excuse me and meanwhile uh what's his name who isn't as good as it gets who's like the notorious yeah. dater jack nicholson jack nicholson it's like dating 12 year olds right Probably not 12 but you know yeah i mean it's just a thing Except you know who I love? Oh my god, Robin Wright. Yeah. From House of Cards. Right. She's dating a much younger man. Is she? And I'm totally okay with it. Jesse from Breaking Bad. Really? Yep. Good for her. Good for her. Susan Sarandon, I think she she t- dips her toe in those waters mm. as well. Yeah. And she's super sexy, and that's oh, one so of the things sexy. that Robin in our interview wanted to talk about was that women still want to have sex after 40. Oh my goodness. They probably did want to do it more. It's like, why are we invisible after we're, we, no ex- joke. we like I, expire. Yeah. And then we're, we're invisible. We're not interesting. I just, I cannot stand for it. And you can be sexy and sexual and all that great stuff. And also smart and mm-hmm. together, and with it, and stand your ground as a, you know. It's just insane that we even have to, like, announce right. that. Like, and, like, we're, I'm saying this as I'm also, like, telling myself this, because <clears throat> it's like we need, a, I need a reminder all the time. I thought it was funny when uh, Amal Clooney gave birth to their twins, and they did that, instead of saying, like, some of them did say George Clooney's wife and George welcome their twins, mm-hmm. but some female-based um Outlets were writing. Amal Clooney, uh, civil rights attorney, has twins with her husband or something. Yeah. Don't mention it. Downplay. But that happens all the time. All the time. Where no matter what her accomplishments are, the man is the top billing, Mm -hmm. and it's the grossest thing ever. Sure is. You know who I always think of, who's now like my gold standard for being a supportive husband. Hmm. Ruth Bader Ginsburg's husband. Right. Like, if He's you rando. can't be like him, just just look at that guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how you support a woman. It's it's rare. Yeah, I feel I like I have that in Adam, but it's very unusual. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and if your husband's not like that or your boyfriend or whatever, you got to train that oh. shit. You know what I mean? You ch- I sure do. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I think you'll like the interview because she was really insightful and candid about these topics. Um, What's the book called again? 
the idea of you. Oh, great. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. But before we get to her, I, I want to know... So... This is on such a small scale, but, you know, you were on TV, mm-hmm. and I want to know what that was like for you when the show aired and everyone knew who you were. You know, I was listening to the interview that you did with um, Mike, no, what's his name from The Keepers? Ryan. Ryan. Um, and he said that he was not Prepared. prepared. Yeah. For the amount of messages oh. that he got from everybody. About sexual abuse. Yes. Yeah. I, looking back, was not prepared for that. And I feel like I did, ever, at the time, and I mean, kind of still right now, I'm still going through, especially then when I when I got off the show, was going through such a healing time on my own. Like I hadn't really dealt with those issues or gone through my own healing process. So I wasn't even strong enough to stand up for the people who were messaging me. I didn't, I felt like I couldn't handle my own problem. So, and I can't deal with my own emotions. Like now I have to, I felt like this responsibility to, you know, answer every single email I got. And then that just reading all those stories just made, was so painful. Mm -hmm. And so when I got back from the show for the first time and I started getting flooded with these messages discussing sexual abuse, I shut down and I really became introverted and like a recluse, like stuck to my, like stayed inside. I, was I get in that San Francisco. from a lot of people I interview for 15 minutes yeah. of blame, especially like the early seasons mm-hmm. that it was just like overwhelming over because and it's different it's different than any kind of we've talked about this a little bit and you were the really the one who introduced me to this idea that it's all the good or all the bad and none of the good that comes with being this kind of celebrity yeah it's like there's no riches like (laughs) i went to a i was just with some regular friends and we went to some bar club in los angeles where we were and I am rarely, if ever, at a bar club in Los Angeles. And we were standing in line, and my friends were like, can't you, like, get us to to the front of the line? I mean, like, you were... And I was like, no. Good one. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Then you're take two looks at me and charge me more. Yeah. Like, there's no way. I'm just not that... Either I'm not that kind of cast member, or... I it's, just the and, show and is like, um, it's not seen as desirable to be on by people like the cool kids. Mm-hmm. So right, I, I live. I think when where I lived, if we're talking about the <clears throat> very first show I did, I lived in a place where it was very difficult. I lived in San Francisco, and I remember 
walking through Berkeley and I had a soda can, empty soda can thrown at me and they said, fuck you real world or like real world sucks. And then uh, two times I got hit with a soda can, empty soda can, one beer can, one soda can. But then on the first date I ever went on with my husband, we were like walking hand in hand down the street or something. And some guy from across the street goes, yo, real world, you fine as fuck. And I was like, yeah, I am. Thank you. No. And my husband was like, oh, dang. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that was awesome. That, right, that was like, good timing. That was like too. perfect timing. <laughs> the best cat call I ever got in my whole life. Um, so that, you know, it's good and bad. But the anxiety, the weird social anxiety that comes, nobody can ever tell you about. And you don't even know how that's going to affect you. It's so weird. I was in yesterday um, a Starbucks, which happens to be situated right across the street from a high school. Mm-hmm. And when the high school gets out, it is like oh, everybody wants a freaking unicorn frappuccino. Oh god! (laughs) And there must have been a hundred people in there, and Starbucks aren't that big to begin with, and they were all loud and horrible. And I, they don't know who I am, but like I was thinking back to when I did the show and I was Mm eighteen, and they all would have known who I was and how I would have felt such anxiety, and I would have had to leave immediately. Not because it's like the Beatles or something, but just because. No matter what, people want a piece of you mm-hmm. and they want to like have a story to tell. And that was before cell phones and stuff. So there was no picture taking mm-hmm. unless they happen to have a camera. Mm-hmm. So I really do sympathize with the current celebrities because yeah. the pictures and like the way that people feel entitled to that. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say you, you walked in... um Starbucks and there was Neil deGrasse Tyson or somebody that you really like, you would really want a picture. But I would not take one. Really? Mm-mm. You wouldn't ask for one? No. Okay. Is there anybody that you would ask for one? Because I've been in situations where I, I'm not, I won't do it. For well, so many reasons. <laughs> a, because I'm going to say the dumbest thing. Because I won't panic. even say hi? No. Oh, I always say hi. I know, which is why we're <laughs> friends, so that I can make you do things like that when I need to. Had you been there when I ran into, who's the one where I was the dumbest, Bobby Brown, things would have been different. So, look, I fucked up Bobby Brown. What do you think I'm going to be like around Neil deGrasse Tyson? That's a good point. Come on. Right. But I mean, everything seems to go wrong around Bobby Brown. <laughs> so maybe true. it wasn't. Maybe it's more him than me. It wasn't you. Um, I think I've probably been awkward with somebody else famous, though. We were Oh. Lo- I, well, this is, this is, wait, what, do you have a story about that? No, no, go ahead. Um, No, but I was reminding myself of thinking back to like that first time the show aired and what it was like when I just got off the show. Yeah. So I have a funny story about this one. So like I said, I was living in San Francisco and, and, um, the guy I was dating at the time, he, you know, set up this dinner. This should have told me about this guy. He chose Joe's Crab Shack of all places in San Francisco Stop. to go. I mean, that is delicious, I mean, but, but it's also funny. It's Joe's Crab. Okay. Right. And no, it wasn't even, it was worse. It was like Bubba Gump's or something no, like that. Not. Yes, it was. it was. It was like Fisherman's Wharf. It was something like that. Wow. And yeah, because I remember doing trivia about that that night. So this was the night after the first episode of 
my season of the real world premiered and he got his friends together and I didn't really know anybody in San Francisco. So it was just like us and his friends. And, you know, we went out to dinner and blah, blah, blah. And I was like so excited because I'm like, oh my God, maybe somebody's going to recognize me because nobody had ever recognized me before. Mm -hmm. Never. Mm -hmm. And so, but I was like convinced somebody now is going to, and I was excited because when it's the first time you're like, please, please. Yeah. Who's going to, you're excited about it. So I like, you know, made sure I did my hair and blah, 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 and he's, they go down and they go to sit down at the table and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go use the restroom. So I get up and I go use the restroom and, uh, or I, you know, I go to the restroom before we go sit down. Everybody else goes to sit down. I go sit down and then like somewhere during the middle of dinner, I get up and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go use the, use the restroom and people, and now I'm looking around and I'm like, oh, people are looking at me. Like, I really think people are staring. I think that person's staring at me. And, like, I'm starting to notice that people are looking at me. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is it. They recognize me from the show. This is awesome. So I was, like, super, like, proud of myself and had this, like, oh, my God, this is it. I'm famous. We go to get up (laughs) to leave that night. And I stand up and walk away from the table and realize I've been dragging four feet of toilet paper oh my God. behind me all night Why long. Why would no one pants. tell you? And Out of your me. pants? Yeah, it was like stuck to, it was like a multiple stuck. There were multiple layers of stuck. It was like shoe and then stuck on like the bottom of my pants. Sarah. It was just all, but like a long trail. So the reason that they were, they were staring at me. I was totally right. But they were staring at me because I was dragging TP, not because I was on the real world. That hurts. It, I was like, oh, this is a reality check. You are no one. And you're just a girl who, no matter what, even the moment where you felt like the top dog, yeah, you were just dragging TP. Right. And don't think you're like stars, too big for your just bridges. Like us. Yeah. I always say that when people are like, oh my God, you go to Target? I'm like, stars, just like us. <laughs> Whenever um, my first season aired of Road Rolls, uh, there was a particular episode that like featured me. It was the one where I had it stole the bowling shoes and uh-huh. was wrestling crocodiles and got a <laughs> tattoo. And it was like the Susie downward spiral episode. <laughs> and, um, the day after it aired, I went to Kennywood, which is a, an amusement park in Pittsburgh uh-huh. That's right. with Tim Beggy, mm-hmm. who was in town. We weren't dating at the time, but I really wanted to. Mm-hmm. And, I went to his house. This story is twofold. I went to his house to pick him up to go. And he goes, do you think I need this fanny pack? Like, you needed your health deciding if that was a good idea to bring that day? I like that I'm that's... still not over. Okay. Like, and I was like, no, no, you I definitely don't, don't think need you that. need a fanny pack. See, in my head, I'm like, that's practical. I don't bring a fanny pack. See, that's why we got those fanny packs from that company. And that's why I love them. Man. You need to get on board the fanny pack train, sis. <sighs> bring, bring the pack back. You'll have free hands to do whatever the heck else you I want. I do have um, a Gucci fanny pack, but it's some... not like right. the kind that Tim wanted to wear, which was like <laughs> pleather, quilt, oh quilted God. pleather, yes. black. Oh. And I was like, Tim, no. And so then he didn't. And then we went to Kennywood and it was correct it was the craziest People recognize you. yeah because uh. the episode had aired that night before and it was all about me and when you're in a park like that there's nowhere to go and people are already <clears throat> in 
like when you're at an amusement park, you're in that fun. We want to have a big experience. Yes. So they're much more willing to come up and, and talk to And they did you. have cameras because they were yes. having a big event, you know, probably in their fanny packs. And <laughs> <laughs> and so it was the first time where I was like, holy crow, this is a big deal, these shows. Uh-huh. And then I learned that they aren't. Yeah. But at that moment, I thought, right. I thought that, that it was. Yeah. And I imagine, you know, for somebody like CT or Johnny Bananas oh. or these big, big right. stars from the show, it must feel, it must feel mm-hmm. like it's a big deal. Yes. And, um, yeah, absolutely. But it's not. Right. Not Make no mistake about it. No, it's not a big deal. There was something else I was going to say on that, and it was specific to Johnny and CT and those. Oh, well. When they're out in public and, like, the girls go crazy. Oh, yeah, thank you. Uh, I think there's <clears throat> something. I was talking to an actor. I was at some event, and he was on that show Heroes yeah. a while back. Yeah. I can't remember his name. But we were talking about the difference because it was his first television show, and he was a new actor, but still a little bit recognizable. But you weren't what did like, he look oh, like, oh gosh, he's real cute. He's short, brown he? hair, white guy. Milo. Yes, he's on This Is Us. Uh, oh my god, that's right. Okay, I met him oh my god. years ago. Oh my god, I'm just realizing I met him. Oh, oh my god, my god. I have a photo with him somewhere. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm gonna have to go back and find it. I swear to god I have a photo with him. Oh my god! Oh, how did I not even put that I had no joke, a 45-minute conversation with him. About Tell fame. About me fame. Everything. And this is oh my god, I can't believe this shit happens to me and then I forget about it. Okay, so this was while I was on the real world and he was doing an event for this um, is the, the Wounded Warriors project. And so we were there at this black tie Wounded Warrior Project event thing, and uh, he was sitting right next to me, or standing next to me, as we were listening to the speakers talk, and he and I started talking about fame and, like, what the difference is between real-world celebrity, like, reality show celebrity and regular person celebrity. This is the bonkiest. so weird. I can't believe that I didn't, like, because I remember this conversation I forgot. Okay, and he was so nice, but he's short. That's fine. Yeah, he's but it doesn't matter. He's still really cute and really sweet and gave me all of his time and attention and we had like a real... Did he look in your eyeballs? Yeah. <laughs> Both of them. And you got a picture? Uh-huh. I have a picture with him. I have to find it. I'm Sarah, gonna post I'm gonna put I don't even understand what's wrong with you. <laughs> Did oh you God. feel like attracted to him? No. You just Oh, had... you know what's funny? Actually... Please tell me you hooked up. No, we didn't. That would be great. I the only... Re- He's absolutely my type have and his looks. Phone number? No, I am dying. <laughs> I have like a picture. He's just like, oh my god, you slept with him. <laughs> and here's me like being like, I'm above celebrity culture. And this is horrible. TMZ is really terrible. <laughs> like you met Milo. <laughs> yes. Okay. So he was talking about how there's oh a god. difference between the celebrity that. The way people look at us and the way people look at him. Of because course. he was saying 
on the show, I think his character was a bad guy mm-hmm. on the heroes or did something bad, whatever. And he's like, when people don't like me, they don't like my character. So they can separate me and the bad guy or me and whoever it is. We talked about how, like, when people come up and talk to him or and also they're a little less like like inclined to go up and talk to him because he's Milo and that character is that character. Yeah, Whereas with there's us, distance. The character that they love or the character that they hate is who we are, Mm -hmm. is us. So people feel like they have the right to come up because they've already been involved in my story about my dad and all this stuff. So they're like, oh, I have to share it with you. And now they're like friends, but... It's this a one-sided friendship, and he and I talked about that. And, and Wait, we, how did it end? Did you hug or what? No, you just talked for forty-five ways. minutes, and then we're like, "Peace out." We'll just had like I don't By know. That we just point, went. About, I would have been Facebook friends. <laughs> this is before all of that, right? This is ten years ago. What? What? Okay. Did he seem single at the time? Yes, but okay. I was not. I was very taken. Did he seem like he liked you? No. Are you sure? Yeah. All right. This is a great story. I was probably putting off How's super the picture? friend vibes. Uh, <laughs> super friend. It was good. I think the picture's good. The picture that I really didn't like is Henry Rollins was also there, and I took a picture with him, and he looks like he wants to murder me in the picture. Why? His face is like, like he's not smiling. But then I looked at other pictures of him, and that's kind of like his thing in photos. Oh. So I was like, okay, maybe it's not me. But at first I was like, holy fuck, he looks like, like. Nightmare City. Yeah. Really not happy to be there. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax. The way car buying should be. But that's wow, my story. that was a good way to end. Um, we we just need to introduce our guest, Robin yeah. Lee, whose book "The Idea of You" is out now in paperback, and you should check it out. Um, read it and see what you think, and talk about the themes, and tell Robin that we sent you. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Robin. I'm super excited to talk to you. I finished your book, and Great. first of all, congratulations. Holy Thank smokes. You. Thank can, you so much. Can you believe, here's what's so awesome about somebody like you. You're like, you know what, I'm a lawyer, but I'm going to be a superstar. Now I'm going to write a book. What the heck? I think I did not, I think I was not wise enough to know what I was getting into when I endeavored to do this. <laughs> I think if I'd really thought it through, I might have, might have not gone through with it. You're in um, too deep now, though. Too bad. I am. There's no getting out of it. No, seriously. Congratulations. It's super exciting to write a freaking book and... It was fantastic, and I was skeptical when I heard about the book. I'm like, I don't know. It's not my cup of tea, but it was. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Here's what's fantastic about it. You have this beautiful love story and, and wonderful narrative, but within it, you've packed in all these important themes that I think our listeners and I'm sure your fans will want to talk about. So... Let's talk about those so then they don't reveal any spoilers. Like, we'll talk about the themes. Okay. That so, good. 
First of all, you kind of, maybe the main theme is the idea of sexuality within women that are maybe a little older or that have kids. And then the double standard where men can date younger women, but it's taboo for women to do the same. Tell me how you tackled that. You know, I just, I kind of wanted to be honest. I mean, I think I was turning 40 and all of my friends were doing the same and we were still very much alive and sexually active women with like wants and desires. And, you know, most of us are married or in relationships, but it, it, it was kind of the idea that after a certain period, a certain age, we're, we stop being seen as yeah. sexually viable or desirable. And that was really kind of painful and and interesting to look at. It's the kind of thing that you don't realize until you get there. I mean, when I, I certainly was not thinking about that in my 20s right. or even at, at the age of 30. It's not until you get there and you realize that all the women my age, when they're portrayed in the media, they're, they're playing you know, these sexless women. They're playing moms <laughs> or doctors or lawyers. And they, and they can be totally capable, smart, intelligent women right. living full lives. But that part of our sexuality is so rarely explored, especially in American media. Yeah. And I wanted to I wanted to, to take that on and challenge it and and be kind of honest because when I talk to my girlfriends, I mean, they're all still having sex. I mean right. it's, not, <laughs> it's not like we just dry up at thirty nine and a half and it just ends. Right. And, and when I mean, it we is, don't get to see it. Well when it is covered, it is more like that weird cougar sort of right. sensationalized thing and that is not what you did at all. No, and I and I didn't want to be that. I hate I hate the term cougar and I hate this image of like older women like on their last legs like on the prowl like i mean, like, like you know you know hanging out in bars and like looking for young college guys to come in like i, I yeah, that that troop just like it really ticks me off and i just wanted to be honest about what it was to be older and and to to be embarking on a new relationship that was that definitely had a sexual component but also had much more than that like i had i had this idea of two people who would not necessarily found them find themselves together, kind of finding each other and discovering each other and, and falling in love. Right. And it's so thoughtful the way that you do it and the way that you explore all these aspects that make relationships and life complicated. But you, like you said, you just wanted to tell the truth. This is sort of how, what we're all dealing with, but nobody's right. really talking about it. Right. Exactly. Tell me I, how, because I know probably even more so in Hollywood, these stereotypes are true. Do you find that to be the case, or do you think there's more open-mindedness? Um, you know, I feel like Hollywood's so complicated. I mean, I, I feel like living here in, in and around the business is one thing, and then what we put up on our screens is something else. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like we are women have a... Um, <laughs> We have our work cut out for yeah. us being taken as equals here as writers, as directors, as studio execs, as agents, as people who have the ability to greenlight projects. It, there's, there are very few of us who are really like striving and, and, and being in, in very powerful positions. I mean, you have a couple, but not many. And mm-hmm. I think until that happens, it, it, it's still a business run by men, and they kind of call the shots and... So I, I feel like we're we're dealing with that, and when you've got projects out there on the big and small screen, um, putting out images of women but that, that are written by men or as men see us, 
with, <laughs> without women to correct their idea of that. It, it, make, it becomes very one-sided, and I think, I think the only way you have a better, more complex, richer portrayal of, of different women, because obviously we're not a monolith, Mm-hmm. is to have women out there actually being a part of the creative process right? and having some say. And I think, I mean, I think that I, also, yeah, I, I live here, too, so it's like the things that have gone off the screens, you, you definitely have, I definitely see women who are, who are sexual beings here in their 40s. I feel like there's this yeah. thing in, in, in L.A. Where you, where you don't want to age and you, you're not <laughs> getting old, and you go into these, like, Pilates classes or SoulCycle or yoga, and these women are... 30, 40, 50, and, like, in incredible shape, 60 right. years old, and, like, <laughs> totally sinewy and, like, working out every day and, like, running marathons and just being these incredible dynamic women. And that's, that, that exists here in real life, and yet we still don't see it too much on the screen. Yeah, that is weird. Yes. But, I mean, I'm grateful for people like you who say, you know what, I'm going to tell this story myself. If you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. Exactly. Did, did you worry at all because you do have such a robust um, acting career? Did you worry this book might shift things or have people change how they see you? Or did you think it would only add uh, more layer? Um, I think I thought it would add another layer. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really didn't worry about how it would affect my acting career. Mm-hmm. I think it probably, I worried about how, what my friends and my family would think of me, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't, but I didn't worry about that stuff about my career as an actress. <laughs> you know what? I kept thinking that because there's a, the main character at one point gets exposed very publicly. And I mm-hmm. kept thinking about you as the writer and feeling like you, you were exposing yourself. It wasn't someone else exposing you, but yes, how scary that can be. It's terrifying. It's like it's like inviting everyone to look inside of your brain. <laughs> well, here, this is me. This is what I think of. These are the things right. that turn me on. Here we go. <laughs> right. Let's do this. It's really scary. When I when I first started writing, I was confiding in a friend, and I told you know there there are some love scenes, and she said, "Oh my gosh, aren't you aren't you scared?" And I said, "No, I'm not really scared of writing them." She said, "Well, aren't you scared that people will think you're not good?" And I thought, <laughs> Why wouldn't I be good? Like, wouldn't like he? Wouldn't like the guy not be yeah, good? Yeah, come would, on. Or why would they think I wouldn't be good? <laughs> She's like, well, what if you're not describing it right? I was like, I think I know. <laughs> I think great. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but I can see her line of questioning because right, it's scary. Because sometimes you see these things. I, I forgot who does it. There's a mag, a publication that puts out every year. They put out like the worst sex scenes in literary fiction. Oh my god! And the, they're, they're definitely almost ninety percent of the time they're written by men and men who are great literary writers, but who don't. Who is yeah. afraid to handle sex in a in a in a in a book? Like I don't know, I don't know what they're doing in their bedrooms, but they're just <laughs> not very good at portraying it on paper. I don't know what that is. They just kind of freeze up and yeah. And you you did yeah. not have that problem. <laughs> Yours was just perfect. I thought it was titillating, but it was meaningful and 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 nuanced and lovely and sexy well, and you. all of that stuff. Tell Thanks me so much. this. You are a woman, as we noted, in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and you describe the relationship that your characters have with the paparazzi and the social social media nonsense and groupies and fans, and I'm wondering, what has it been like for you literally watching that in your real life with you and your co-stars? Um, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing I feel like it, it, I've been part of it or watching for so long that I feel like it's, I don't really, 
I don't look at it too curiously now, but at the same time, it never gets old. Like, yeah. I, I, I can step out of it and realize how incredulous it is, like how bizarre <laughs> our lives are, or when, when that happens, like when I'm on a set and there are paparazzi. And they always look, it, it, they just, by nature, I understand these are people trying to make a living and they're yeah. selling their pictures to make a living. But by nature of what they do, they sometimes they just look crazy. They're up there on ladders, like peeking over hedges. And, and I was like, you're grown men. What are you doing? Right. <laughs> and I had an experience um, a few years ago, maybe about seven years ago now. I was, um, I'd worked with Jennifer Garner on 13 Going on 30 a long time ago, before either of us were married or had kids. And our kids are two oldest kids are relatively the same age. And I was driving down the street in Santa Monica, and this guy ran out in front of my car, and I had to stop Come short. On. Like, I almost hit him. And I realized it was a paparazzo, and he was following Jen and her daughter, Violet. <sighs> I guess at the time, Violet must have been like three or four. Whoa. And they were... He was walking ahead of them backwards to get a good shot and ran out into the street. And I almost oh killed him. And I'm thinking, God. this is so insane. You're haunting this woman and her young child. Yeah. And you're, and you're putting yourself at risk. Like, what are you doing? And it's, it's I mean, it's so, <laughs> it's such a tricky business because I understand that right. actors need a following and you, you kind of, you need people to like what you do and be, it curious enough in you that they're interested in seeing pictures like this. Right. But at the same time, that's not really what you sign up for because you really kind of, most people, I'd, I'd like to think sign up for it because they, they want to do the work and they love act, like the thrill of acting and yeah. being able to tell stories. And, and I feel like the paparazzi thing is just this thing that comes along with it. And sometimes it can be hard to deal with. I saw in an interview once when Matt Damon was saying that he believes that the most interesting actors are the ones you know the least about their yeah. personal life. I think he's right. kind of right about that. I think so, too. I think <laughs> so, too. If you, if you can kind of live your life out of the limelight and, and be as curious as possible. I mean, as, as I guess, unidentifiable. Like, yeah. Um, and I know Edward Norton. I've known him for years. And his first film he did was one called Primal Fear. Yes. It came out, like, in 1995. And yeah. he was nominated for an Oscar this very first film, and part of the reason he, I think, was so dynamic in this role, he plays this kid who's, he, there's a murder, and he's suspected, and he's, like, kind of a, I can't remember Creepy. now, he's, got, he's kind of, like, slow, like, yeah, like, a little, yeah. maybe a little um, disabled in some way, and yeah. then he flips, and it's, like, a multiple personality kind of thing, and you don't know which is a real yeah. kid, which is a real, which is a real Edward Norton, yeah. and I think he was able to pull it off because he was an unknown. Like, it was a mystery. Like, who is this guy? Right. Like, is he the sweet, nice guy, or is he the killer? And I, right. and, I, and he's kind of stayed by that, like, trying to keep out of the public eye. So you never really know who you're going to get, like, which is the real Ed Norton. Right. And, I, and wonder, I, think, I wonder how, you know, now there's social media and this is sort of a ubiquitous whole thing. And I wonder, does that help? Because then you can control your own content, or is it worse? You know, it. I think it's. <laughs> I don't know. It's so interesting because a lot of a lot of artists use the social media to help brand themselves to grow their following. Yeah. A lot of studios and producers look at an artist's social media following to determine whether or not that artist's 
is worthy of hiring. Like how many people I know, how many seats can they fill in a theater? Like how many followers do you have on Twitter? And like that. And so that's kind of sad. I understand why they're doing it because it's financial. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're trying to make money and they feel like all these people will shell out. If you've got this many fans, there's this many people are likely to shell out money to come and see you. I totally get that. But at the same time, people who are like reclusive or just kind of, like I said, want to just do it for the, the craft. Right. Don't, they shouldn't feel pressured to have this persona that takes a lot of upkeep. Like, it's a lot to be on Twitter and whatever. Like, I'm on there a lot because I'm in my downtime, I'm writing. So I've got my computer open anyway, you know? <laughs> yeah. But for other people who are not doing that, it's a lot to have to check in and then post yeah, this. And you have to always be thinking about it. Instagram. Right. Do you I've think... seen a couple of artists have pulled themselves off for a while, at least. I think Kendall <laughs> Jenner did it. On Instagram for a bit last year, and I think Selena Gomez did it. Like, the pressure is, it's kind of crazy. I can't even imagine if I were one of those gals. Holy smokes. It's a lot. Do you think that you are going to continue publishing books and novels? You know, (laughs) it depends what hour of the day you ask me. (laughs) Are you tired? What's going Um, on? (laughs) I love writing. I don't think I'll ever stop writing. Yeah. The publishing process has been a lot more grueling than Ugh. I ever imagined it would be. I'm a lot more stressful. Yes. Like and the so deadlines that, or the editing or what? It's not. It's, it's the marketing, really. It's, Ugh, it's this. Trying to, it's like, yeah, this is it. It's trying to sell yourself or sell your book. Like I wanted, I would love to be able to just write something and people say, that's wonderful. We're going to put it out there and everyone's going to read it. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. You stay at home oh, no. and, you know, play with, and, 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 and play with your kids. But no, that's not really how it happens. So do you feel um, like it's kind of soul-sucking and takes away from it creativity? Is. It is. And then you're trying oh. to find different ways to like, pitch yourself and pitch your story and pitch your characters. And, and It's I, just I, I, like your character in the book, though. It, I guess. That's and what's it, crazy. It takes, but it takes some of the magic away. Like, yeah. I feel like there should be this magic and that the, that the author, like there's a relationship the author has with their story and with their characters. And I kind of... To me, it was a very special thing, and I kind of want to keep it sacred, so I don't want to reveal too much, because I also want people to come to their own conclusions about what this story yeah. is about and who these people are. Right. Ugh. That's that's hard. That is hard. I never even thought about it, because, you know, I think for most people, the idea of getting a book published is so exciting that it you is. don't think about the difficulties on the other side. Right. Exactly. And then people asking you, why did you write this? Or what? Justify that? Or... <laughs> what's next right. like, I, just, I just need Give to be me kind a of minute. alone <laughs> <laughs> well I mean I know that if it's any consolation I know that my listeners and there will be so many people that really relate to the book and are grateful that you're bringing up these important topics but doing it in a way that's so fun to read and I I finished the book and days later was still thinking about it and I think that's a oh, good sign you. oh good Good. That's what I want. I mean, I don't want it to be, I mean, I think you can enjoy it as just a light read, but I think there's a lot more there and I, and I kind of want it to resonate. And I think it's the kind of thing that might take a while to sink in. And I hope you find yourself thinking about these people and the story and the themes much later. I was and, actually sad and even, like, that they were real. It years later, whatever it is, just, yeah. they feel like, I feel like as women, we, we are constantly changing depending on where we are in our life. Like, age, yes, and career, and marriage, and childhood, and motherhood, whatever, all those things, divorce, and I feel like it, it, it's it been, um, people have different responses to it, depending on where they are in their lives, and, mm-hmm. and I kind of 
Yeah, I'd love that's to a good see point. The of that. Have you, because it just came out, so are you getting much feedback or are you still awaiting? I'm just, I'm just starting to. Oh, I'm my just gosh. Starting to. Well, I know it's, it's like it's all, the beginning. It's been very good, so, and I'm trying to stay away from the, the part that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all good on this end. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sure it's the beginning of a long road, but people are going to consume it and they're going to be really excited about it. So I congratulate you. Oh, thank you, Susie. Job Appreciate well it. done. And thank you so much for coming on the Brain Candy Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'll send everybody to your Twitter and all your social media. Thank you. And uh, thank yep. you so much, Rob, and have a great day. Thank you, Susie. You too. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.